Good evening, everyone, and welcome. It's Wednesday night. The date is, I don't know what today is. What is today's date? 24th of January, uh, February 2021. Welcome to Kingdom Conversations, where we have prophetic and supernatural encounters with the Word of God. I am Pastor Lindsay Lee of Astounding Love, the Global Church Fellowship, which is located in San Jose, California. And we are on the Trade Zone, 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard. We are live from our studio sanctuary. There are just a few of us here. Maybe, probably, no doubt about it, more of you joining us online than are currently in the building. But we want to thank you so much for joining us, whatever the medium is that you happen to come through. Or if you're on the rebroadcast, we're glad that you decided to come back and take a look and take a listen to what it is that the Spirit of the Lord has to say. As, as typical for us, we're going to start off at the top with prayer. We're going to petition the Holy Spirit to find out just what kind of conversation he wants to have with us tonight. And then we're going to get into some different things. If you have questions that you want to ask, you can either type them right there at the bottom of the screen. Uh, I ask you to keep it clean because if you don't, they will delete you. And I also ask those of you that feel a need to preach when I'm preaching not to uh, because it annoys other people and you actually miss out on hearing what's really being said in those moments. So just listen Take your notes if you do, um, pose your questions. If you know us directly, then you can send your questions to Crystal, those of, us, those of you that are in-house and know how to contact her directly. You can also contact us at the website, contact us at astoundinglove.org, which is our email. Ask your questions there, put your prayer request in, and any of those type of things. So I think that's all of the commercials that I have to do at the beginning. I always do the one for the Word of God sometime in the conversation. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get we'll move into it. Father, I've been hearing songs today about how worthy you are. I've been hearing songs, Jesus, that magnify your name. I've been hearing songs, Holy Spirit, that talk about how you lead us and guide us. Those are the true aspects of life in the kingdom. We don't come before you as Christians because Jesus did not bring Christianity into the earth. He brought the kingdom. We come to you as citizens of the kingdom or those that are querying, wondering what is this kingdom of God all about and how do I get in? I thank you tonight for your word that perfects us, it establishes us, it settles us, it gives us direction, it gives us vision, it brings about clarity, it brings about healing. It does all those things as a respondent, as a part of the power of the voice, the power-filled voice of the blood of Jesus. You really love us, and I don't know that we really understand that so much, but I do know that there are many of us that are very grateful that you do. I know that we can look in the mirror, the natural mirror, and sometimes we like what we see and sometimes we don't. But when we look in the mirror of your word, we see a reflection of the glory and the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we get a glimpse of what it is that you want to transform us into. And so we're learning in these days more and more to say yes to the transformation of God and to deny ourselves the misery of constantly being hounded and tormented by darkness, exercising the power of your light and your love and your word and your blood to walk with you instead of away from you. And I pray for every person that is under the sound of your voice speaking through me, 
that they will have ample opportunity tonight to move in the direction of what it is that you desire for them. I want that for myself. This longing after you, this craving desire to be more intimately acquainted with you. And I pray for my fellow ministers. I pray for the men and the women that speak your word, the young men, the young women, the people of God that share that fellowship, that have conversation one with another over things that you have said. And we find ourselves growing in the light. And we find ourselves being stirred up for more of you. And we find ourselves desiring to leave behind every single part of the old life, things that are really not important. I pray tonight that you grant me insight for those that you want to speak the healing word to so that they can find that that which you've already provided is released in their physical bodies, in their minds, in their emotions, in their finances, in their marriages, in their in their uh, whatever aspect of life it is where they have need of you. And there is no area of anybody's life on this earth where we do not have need of you, whether we give you place or not. My heart desires to see people healed of maladies, of sicknesses, of diseases, of, of situations and scenarios in life. I, I, I just want so much, sir. For us to discover what you have for us and to receive it and to allow it to be so. I'm looking at brains and <laughs> I'm looking at people that have been diagnosed with dementia or some other form of brain sickness. And yet I know that there is a blood and there is a name and there is a word and there is a person that has made provision for this. And that regardless of what doctors or uh, analysts uh, analyst might say, your word is greater. I have such a desire, Father, even while we're talking tonight, for things to manifest in the minds, in the brains, in the bodies, in the eyes, in the ears, in the joints, in the, in the hearts of individuals, some that are watching and some that may never watch us. But nevertheless, they're there at that point where they have to determine if they're going to live or die. There are people that have been told they're terminal with cancer or some form of disease, bone eating this or, or brain destroying this or whatever the thing may be. But I know that your arms are outstretched and that it is your desire for the healing that you have already provided for them to be known and that the truth of it be made seen in their bodies. There are babies in, in, in maternity wards or in, um, in the process of being born that there's a breach or there's a this or there's a that. And in the name of Jesus, even now, we release the paling power and the divine intervention and the angels that are there on watch to help bring these children in instead of having them perish. There are others that they say this is so about them or that is so about them. And these are the things that they understand of the diseases that are in the earth. But the supernatural power that comes by your word and comes by your blood and comes by your love for us. And your blood and your love and your word are all the same. Even as we're speaking tonight, I pray that it is going forth in the north, the south, the east, and the west, in this timeline and in other time zones. That there is really no distance in the spirit because we can step through 
and step into those places and be in those arenas where they have need of us, where a bullet can be stopped or deflected. We're one that is meant to die in a car crash because that's what's on Satan's agenda. But nevertheless, there is a halt to the plans of evil and they are not destroyed this night. And I pray this is so for other people's children, for mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, sons and daughters. I pray this for people that I will never meet that are looking at their family circumstances and feeling like a wrecking ball has come through and absolutely demolished them. But nevertheless, we say stop to the ball and we say, yes, bring forth healing. Yes, bring forth wholeness. Yes, bring forth your desire, the desire of God, the pleasure of God to redeem and to deliver people from places of destruction. And so that's what we release tonight. Let this conversation be honorable to you. I incline my ears to hear you, Holy Spirit. My heart is filled with the desire of God for the best to happen to people that don't even want to know you. And for those that claim to know you but are ignorant of your ways, I pray for us as well, those of us that still cling to religion when your hand is outstretched to us. I pray that tonight that there is a breaking off of the ways of old to take hold of who you are. Oh, God. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for tonight. And I thank you for loving us the way that you do. And I receive it from you. I receive these gifts that you have given to us. And I say, go ahead. Do what you want to do tonight. Do it in my life. Please. Because that's what I want. I want you. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't even actually know where to start tonight. I have green chai coconut tea. That's what I'm drinking. Um, something I just kind of put together. Sunday. Last Saturday, actually, our church had an amazing opportunity to be in a prophetic training that was put on by uh, IRON, is what they're called, International Reformers Network. And the two apostles that brought that word, I mean, they brought it so solidly and so lovingly and so powerfully that we realized and there were all kinds of cool testimonies that I'm not going to go into tonight, but there we, they create, it was a prophetic area. It was an area where prophetic truths were being released in our lives and it carried over into our house the next day for Sunday. We had had a gathering where in the place where the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers, there were the whole fivefold ministry had come together under one roof. And when you get that kind of thing happening, you get a very powerful outpouring because all the gifts that have been given to the church are in place. So that intercessors, true intercessors and seers and, and all the individuals that are uh, flowing the gifts of the Spirit of God were able to have greater clarity. Why? Because there's always a call for a change of thinking. That's the repentance call. And there's always a demand by the presence of the Spirit of God, by the purity of His presence, that you want to get rid of every sin. You want to get rid of, well, you do one or two things. You'll get rid of the sins or you'll get out of there. You know, 
Um, but what you can't do is be a pretender. Pretense was exposed in that midst. And I thought it was such a wonderful thing. It's not when you tell those kind of reports, accounts like I just gave, we're not just saying, oh, this is what happened to all those other people. You have to take hold of the truth that when purity, the pure word of God, appears in your midst, that there is a divine presence, the Holy Spirit, the holiness of God that is in your midst. And in order to respond to him, we have to be cleansed by him because we can't stand in his presence without the blood of Jesus, his blood. It's the blood that causes us, for God to be able to look at us and see no sin because of what Jesus took on for us. And so it was just wonderful. And on Sunday, we had kind of a uh, veered off of the direct path in the conversation of the blood of Jesus. And instead, we started talking about the personality of the blood. And really what that was about is how he expresses himself, how the blood of Jesus, which is alive and which is a spiritual power, and how it responds or how he responds because his blood is part of his person. And the best part is that we are talking about, when you talk about the blood of Jesus, you're talking about the life of God. Now, if you know Leviticus 17, 11, or you're familiar with that scripture, then you understand we're talking about that the life of the flesh, the life of the body is in the blood. The blood is the carrier of life. There is breath and there is, and there is life. These two things go together. God's breath, if you will, is, in, is the life that is in the blood. And so when, when the body dies, you know this, you've heard this, when a body dies, the blood is still there for a, a season. It can't stay forever, but it will be there for a season. But because breath has disappeared, because breath, the essence of life, is gone, it has departed from the blood. And so then the blood is just blood. But when the blood is filled with breath, then the blood is alive. The blood of Jesus has breath. The blood of Jesus is life. And so it always contains the components, the elements of the kingdom of God. Everything that God is, his blood is. Because it is what? It is his divine nature that is uh, anointed and is, and is flowing and is, is at hand. It's available. I think one of the ways you can say that about the blood is the, the DNA of the blood of Jesus is that his divine nature is available to us while we're walking in this earth and while we, we walk in these opportunities for his power to be seen. Now, just in that opening, I just spoke a whole lot of stuff that some people would sit there and go, I haven't thought a clue what this lady was talking about. But what I'm talking about is so much bigger than anything that your natural mind can understand. And we have this one slide. We say, why is this message of what we're talking about spirit to spirit? Why do we talk to you spirit to spirit? Because that's the part of you that captures and pulls for and longs for and yearns for this fellowship with God. Um, the natural mind, we talked about this on Sunday and many other Sundays, has a hostility toward God. When we say natural mind, you may be thinking we're just talking flesh and blood, but we're also talking a mind that is used to and is grounded in the ways of the earth. So we've also referred to it as carnal, which it speaks to meat or carne, 
speaks to meat, uh, meathead type of thing, not like the days of Archie Bunker, but <clears throat> a mind that is completely and absolutely caught up with temporary things, meaning it only goes as far as life here goes, and it doesn't look to the future in the sense of divine, supernatural things and occurrences that are beyond it. In fact, the natural mind trains itself. It's being trained when you, when you eat only the natural mind foods, the type of books you read, the type of people that you listen to, that are only concerned with a temporary type of power, a temporary type of lifestyle, meaning get all the goods that you can, acquire all the material things, enjoy yourself with all of the, the whatever of the flesh, or they switch over to a far other uh, direction where it's deny, 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 deny yourself joy, deny yourself happiness, deny yourself smiles, deny yourself everything. And neither one of those types of lives are the life that you were actually given by God. Those are existences that are without him. Even people that are what they refer to as Christian born from above or born again in the church, but they've never allowed the spirit of God to work in them because they're too busy being good church people. They're too busy doing all the good church things, all the good church feedings, all the good church meetings, all the good church this and that. But it's not about uh, the good church works. It's about being a citizen of the kingdom of God and allowing the love of God to flow through you supernaturally. A church will do good works and show love and affection to their neighbors and to, and to things. And we've got lots of really good church programs. If you are from a good church and you think that I am in some way slamming you, you are incorrect. What I'm saying is that there is more that God requires. And I would hate to think that there's a day that we're going to sit before Jesus or stand before Jesus when he asks us that question, what did you do with the life that I gave you? And all we can come up with is great church attendance or lack thereof and all the works that we did. And yet there was never the opportunity for his love and for the things he put you in the earth to do. None of that was ever seen. Because you never showed up where you were supposed to show up. You never grew up into who you were supposed to grow up into being. You lived your whole life according to how you felt about people and things. You lived your whole life based upon the opinions of others. You lived your whole life in obedience to the requirements others had for you. The standards they set for your life. But you never looked at what God had called you to be. You never moved into the supernatural power of God. Because either some well-meaning, ignorant person told you they had passed away, or you were afraid of it, or it just didn't look right to you because you looked at what some squirrely individuals did, and so therefore you threw out the entire message of the kingdom of God based upon somebody else's frailty or mistakes or whatever it happened to be. The problem that you have with all of that is that when we stand before the Lord and he asks us about the life we lived, he's not going to be the least bit interested in how everybody else told you to live. And he's not going to be the least bit interested in all of the excuses that we think that we are going to come up with about why we did not, here's this lovely four-letter word, obey him. Okay? That's not really what I'm going to talk about. But there it is anyway. 
<laughs> the message is spirit to spoof. Sorry, I'm trying to wear a lapel today to see how this does. I don't like it, but we'll try. Why is this message spirit to spirit? Because God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, which is also spirit. And he wants to know you, really, really know you, and he wants you to know him too. He has created a, a sanctuary. Anybody ever say, oh, I want to go into a, a, a secret place with God, and I want to be in the sanctuary with him? Which I, I think is beautiful. It's just that he, we're actually the temple. And what he really wants to do is to speak to us from the inside where he dwells. And to give us spirit words, which is this. He wants to talk to us from this book, these 66 books that we refer to as the Bible. And he wants to break open things, simple things. Even John 3.16, which many of you have seen, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, the only son that came into this earth with his original, with his blood. This one that I got, this is the one that is of my spirit. This is the one that I sent into the earth to do the, to to completely and absolutely obey me. And he had to learn to do that and do what I tell him to do and look for and listen to my spirit that I've placed in him to give him direction, came upon him to speak to him, to direct him, to lead him, to guide him, to, to show that it is possible with God to live an exemplary, powerful, power-filled life. And it is possible and, and it's really something that when you live that life with God, that also means that people are just, the outcome will be a betterment of life, a better quality of life for the people that you come around. People are going to be healed. When you are living the obedient life with God, people are going to have encounters of a different kind. They're going to find ways to improve things. You're going to release words from the kingdom of God that bring about a God-desired change, a pleasure that comes only from God for them. This is the life that we were put here to live, a life that pleases God. And, and I think a religious concept of a life that pleases God is as God is some mean old deity sitting up on a, a, a high throne judging everything that you do and calling it terrible and not finding you know anything to like about you at all and so i think that if you people who think about god if they do at all they're thinking that he's some i don't know some white-haired old guy um holding lightning bolts leaning forward staring at the people in the earth just waiting to see who he can hurl a lightning bolt at so that he can fry you, destroy you, mess you up, do something with you, uh, just to let you know how displeased you, he is with you, and that uh, he doesn't, you know, he has no high expectations of you. It's not who he is, it's not what he's like, but it's what religion has told you. You also think sometimes he's such a, I don't know what you think he is, I guess that he's like a sugar daddy, uh, you know, with piles and piles of stuff, and you just point to something and tell him, Daddy, give me that, 
and I'm just going to go and live this life in the earth any way I want to, and I'll check in with you when I'm ready to come to heaven. And he's not like that either. And then there's this other little group. It's like I'm undecided about God. I'm pleased with him when things go the way that I want them to, but I, I don't think that I really want to have a permanent thing to do with him because I don't know that he's trustworthy. And that kind of brings me to a question I was thinking about earlier today. I talked on Sunday just a little bit about people who have five-year plans or you look around and you think, well, what would I, what, what, what will you be like? If you had started watering something five years ago, what, what are you growing? What are you producing right now that came from the efforts that you put five years ago, whether it's things that you've done with your physical body, it's things that you've done financially, things that you've done in your relationships. What kind of seeds did you sow maybe five years ago that you watered every day with your tongue? Because it's the words that you spoke. Really, I'm thinking about words that you speak as well as because those words lead to certain types of behavior. Did you talk for the last five years every day about how tired you are? Have you spent five years talking about how things don't ever work out for you and you're so sick of these people and this and that? Did you rant for the last five years? Just rant and criticize and curse and do those kind of things? Did you compromise for five years? Yeah, we know we did. Okay, um, but we don't like the harvest of it. And that's the beautiful thing is you don't have to keep it. But what are you going to do now that I've said this? And I actually said this as I mentioned on Sunday, which is the 21st of the month. So say that you started on February 21st and you decided now I'm going to, I'm going to do something different. And I was alluding it to the story I've heard about the bamboo tree and how you plant it and, and water it, but for five years, it seems, nothing is seen. There's not, no, no proof of anything. It's like you're just watering ground, and it makes no sense because nothing comes up. And that's sometimes what faith is like. And I, I read a quote from someone today that they said, you know, when you plant the seed, you don't plant the seed and, and um, eat the fruit on the same day. You may eat a, get a harvest on the same day that you plant, but it's most likely the harvest of something you've sown before. And I want to ask a question of you. Are you looking every day for a harvest? That can go into a great financial uh, teaching, but it can also go into just a life as you live it. Are you looking for a harvest every day? Is there a harvest of something that you've planted, something that you speak, that you believe about the Word of God, that you're looking for his answers every single day. Every day I'm looking for God to answer something that I have put to him. Really, I'm looking for his answers to questions that he has given me to ask him or to answers to scenarios. Pray about this. Okay, you told me to, you wanted me to pray. Yes, bring this before me in prayer. Okay, Lord, I'm bringing this before you in prayer. Now I want to know, how, I want to see the answer. I don't mean necessarily natural. But I want to look in the spirit and see what's going on. What is going on with this prayer that you had me to pray for this person? What's going on when you were praying through us for this situation? What's going on in the spirit realm? Can I see something? I can't see anything in the natural as of yet. I can't see anything in the news reports. I can't see anything in the physical body as of yet. But yet I know because you told me to do it that the seed has been planted in you. And I want to see can you show me something? Not because I don't believe, but because I do. Because I do believe. How many of you have ever made the decision that you will believe everything that this Bible says? 
that you will look for the heart of God in it. I don't mean you believe all of the, and this people were destroyed and this, because you have a tendency to stay very Old Testament. But you were called to live in this covenant. And so you keep, and I'm telling you, I'm not naming your name, but you ask a lot of questions that tell me you still have to come into the beliefs of what is for you through Jesus. And forget about Moses. Because you see, Moses and Elijah had a lovely meeting with Jesus where they got to see, finally, the other side. And, and I love the way Dr. Miles Monroe once put it. He said, because that was the law and the prophets meeting with the, the promise. It was the law and the prophet meeting with the fulfillment of the promise. And he said something, I'm not quoting him directly, but he said, it was like he said, Moses, because of what you did in your obedience, and I thank you so much, and Elijah, the power that you, because what were you looking at? You were looking at logos, and you were looking at, uh, well, actually, I want to put it another way. You were looking at exousia, and you were looking at dunamis. You were looking at power and authority. And here's the fulfillment of both in this one person, Jesus. I am the fulfillment of the promise. I'm what you wanted to see over on the other side. Here it is, the fulfillment of what God has said right here. And this glorified moment, the transformation, where these two that had been resting, as they might have said in Abraham's bosom, resting. But in this moment, they got to see over onto the other side. They got to see it. They even got to be in his presence. And he recognized who they were and what they had done. And he said, I am the fulfillment of that which God gave you to do and to say. And the power that you exercised, Elijah, and the, and the things that you, but Moses, I'm here without getting angry and striking the rock. I'm the rock. And, and Elijah, I am the one, the reason you don't have to be afraid or you do, that the people don't have to be afraid of Jezebel or anybody else coming after them because of who I am. And that's what he wants you to know about him. He wants you to get to know him the way he wants to teach you. And I charge you to do that in the name of Jesus. So what happens is that you say, you read this Bible, well, I believe it. No, 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 no. Did you take it? Do you believe it so that you say, well, since this is what it says, then I'm going to go ahead and put this to work. You see, there's believe, or there's talk about believing, and then there's actualizing, being actually putting it to work, activating it. By his stripes, I am healed. And yet you say you're sick, or yet you say the doctors say this. no. You see, I'm actually healed. And so I hear what the doctors say. And I hear this and I hear this. And I'm just letting you know that I have a different doctor and a different diagnosis. I'm actually healed. I'm not going to be healed. I am healed. I may have to eat this word. And I have to sit here and think about this. And I have to think about what? Think about how I feel? No. My body's going to tell me how it feels. I've got to tell my body what it will feel. I have to tell my body what Jesus did. I have to tell my body that you're carrying around the remedy on the inside of you because you carry about, always carry about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. You always carry in your body the remedy for every sickness and disease. If you're born from above, you're always carrying the healing on the inside of you. It's already there because in his dying came my living. Do you understand? So it's like, well, is that easy for you to say? 
I don't know if it's easy for me to say or not, but I'm saying it. What I would tell you is I recognize that sometimes we have a dilemma in how do I actualize it? Well, I learned that I can teach this, but I, I can also learn as I teach. And so what I, what I recognize is that every time pain comes, every time something happens that they diagnosed you with, in my case, it was years ago, they said, oh, you have carpal tunnel syndrome. I said, I don't want that. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not going to take it. Oh, well, you know, arthritis runs in here and there's this and this is no, 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 no. And that's a good place to begin. But if you or I don't have word on that, that we continually put in those places. In other words, every digit, every nerve ending has to have word connected to it. Why? Because that word vibrates into those areas and brings about what? Healing? Truth. 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 That's the frequency of heaven. Truth. This word is that frequency. Truth. So when I speak truth, no. Himself bore your sins and sicknesses in his own body. He already took this. He already took this. He took what? This thing that just showed up. Well, how could he have taken it? Because he was in front of it. So when it hit me, he would already taken care of it before. It's like going into a place to, to, you think you're going to buy something. And when you go up to the cash register, they say, what is your name? And you're checking your office and no, you're just going ahead. This was already paid for. What? Yeah. Um, somebody else had come in and said that there was a day that on this date, uh, February 24th, you were going to, 2021, you were going to come into this place. And these things were going to come. And they wanted me to give you the message. He's already paid for it. So you have in your body a malady, a sickness, a growth of this or that or the other. And they tell you it's terminal and it's going to kill you. But you hear on the inside, no, it really can't kill you because I've already taken it. Take my dying. Take the dying I did because of that. And live. And so then you have to say to your body, I take the dying that he did. I take the prepaid. I take the prepaid. And I'm going to go ahead and live. So you're going to have to leave. You actually don't have legal right here because he's already paid for it. You are, sickness is a debt. It's a, it's a disease. It's a debt. It's an assignment. But he told me, nope, I took it. Paid it. Signed for it. Put blood on it. You don't have to keep it. It's not yours, actually. Give it to me. If I paid for it, it's mine. Right? right. And typically, I think the sickness goes, no, 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 don't, 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 don't send me to him. Don't send me to him. I'll just go. I'll just leave. And it does. But you speak word. Do you understand what, I, I, what I'm telling you? There are so many scriptures. There's uh, so many things that it says, you have healed me. You have redeemed me. You have paid the price for me. Those people that have been caught in some kind of slavery and their minds are still captured of the days of captivity, the days of the rape, the days of the destruction. But you don't understand with your natural mind what your spirit will grab hold of and help you to get washed and redeemed. 
is the fact that no matter how terrible it was, that death on the cross, baby, did something. It did something more than you understand. That pain, that torture, that torment, that exposure of all of his bodily parts, those beatings that he took, every single stripe that he bore, every single bit of spittle, every bit of hair pulling, every bit of cursing, every bit of uh, torment of the demons and the swirling around and the taunting and the laughing and all of the mockery and everything else that he took on. That did something. It did something to eradicate, annihilate, and come against everything that tries to come against you, triumphing over it, triumphing over it. But when you are told that you are a victim and you agree that you are a victim, then you will have the life of a victim. But what if, and this is not just an if, what if you decided that you're going to change your mind, that you're not going to believe all these lies anymore, that you're not going to believe, that you're stuck where you are, that you can never rise above your circumstances. What if you decided to believe that the way God says it can be done, which is different from the way Dr. So-and-so and this one on this program and that one on those self-help books and, and all the things you just get the power in yourself. What if you said, nah, forget about that. Instead, I'm going to just believe what he said here. That though I was thrown away on a dust heap, a dung heap, that he can get me off of it, cleanse me from it, and put me before kings. Yes. Now that's a scripture. Frederick, find it for me, would you? I think it's in the Psalms 68 or somewhere around there. Um, what if you decided that you could turn around and tell that poverty assignment to get away from you? What if you decided to activate the power of the blood of Jesus, the personality of the blood that's going, yes, yes, and roars as the lion of the tribe of Judah, that I will devour that thing that's trying to devour you, that I can annihilate, that as I wash you, it can't stick to you. What if you walk in this for the next five years? Day by day, moment by moment, every time an affliction, every time a challenge, every time the thoughts and the, oh, but I'm so this, and why don't people love me? And all of that stuff that's simply an assignment to get you into a place of depression so that you'll fall off the path of God and go back down the lane into places of self-pity and believing lies about a life that God did not give you, and instead of believing the truth about the life he did. What if he did? What, what, what would you look like? Pull your pieces of paper out. You get kind of a little assignment tonight. Write on that piece of paper what you think is the most impossible thing. You know, there was a season in my life, I'm not finished, per se, meaning you haven't seen the full manifestation, there was a season in my life where I weighed almost three, I weighed about 350 pounds going up. Elevator was going up. Well, the elevator wasn't going up because I don't think I could get on it, but um, the weight was going up, going up, going up. And I remember when I went to a doctor's office and I contemplated, you know, it's really fun to be me when you expose all these things about your life. Um, but I remember, because it was probably about... I'm going to try something. Mute me for a minute.
can't stand this thing. Okay. Turn it back on. Okay. Is that all right? Good. Because I don't want to wear it. I keep hitting myself with it. So there we are. All right. You good? Okay. Let me, let me finish this first. All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to write down the thing. The scripture says the sins that so easily beset you. That's in um, Hebrews chapter 12, I believe it is, that it says, let us lay aside every weight. It might be chapter 13. I'll look it up. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us so that we can run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Yes, that's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. So let me read this. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So that words where he says, we have a cloud of witnesses that are watching us, but that word sin that does so easily beset, that word beset is what I wanted to look at. It's that mean, the thing that easily and constantly distracts you. That's an assignment. It is so easy for it to come against you because you don't see it as a threat. You see it as normal. You see it as just a natural outcome of the ways of things that have happened to you. You see it, you don't understand that when a crime, a spiritual crime has been committed against you, whether it's a rape or a robbery, a word that was spoken, something that you saw with your eyes, a defilement, a stain, maybe you don't understand that, that what happens is that's an opening because it was a crime that was committed against you that you've been victimized by darkness and that it takes blood and light to get rid of it. The victim's mentality, the reason that people uh, struggle with it so much is because when the assault against their natural life or the assault against their spiritual assignment, because that's really what it is, it's an assault against your spiritual calling and your destiny, that when that thing happens, it leaves a mark on you that says, I, I tag you as one of my victims. And you got to get it off. Or get with some people that will crowd around you and pray in the spirit and see the things come off. Can you can you understand what I'm saying? It's like it's like you put a um, uh, you tag something as it goes by and you, you put something on it. Like I have okay, I'm going to tag this page. And so as I, I flip to this this page or as before I get ready to, ready to go to the next page, I have put this on it. You know, just to say, I'm tearing my Bible here, so I'm not. But you see those? I mean, I just flagged it. I tagged it. So it's tagged as it goes by. I tagged it. I, and so I can always find you again. Because I put my homing signal on you. But the blood of Jesus, the word of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God can get it off. But what happens is one of two things can happen. You can either speak the words that will get rid of it, or you can speak the words that keep, keep the signal going. And so when you've been tagged by it, and you keep talking about what the doctor says, or you keep talking about what the diagnosis is, or you keep talking about how you feel about it, or you keep talking about how broke you are, or you keep talking about how, how doomed you are, I'm cursed, 
with relationships. I can't find anybody to love me. Nobody's ever going to love me. I'm getting older all the time and it's just never going to happen. Well, okay. Beep, 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 beep is going on as a signal for the thing to say, ah, they just signaled us. What did they signal us? Do some more, do some more, do some more. Help them out with that. Make that lie true for them. Do you see what I mean? So when I was looking at myself and I got on that scale at that doctor's office and I saw, I, I, you know what happened? I remember because every week I, I was supposed to be going to this doctor and I think I had to show up like every two weeks or so because I was sick a lot. And every time I went on that scale, the numbers were going up. And when I tell you that it was supernatural weight gain, I mean, it was crazy because in the span of about six months, I went up 100 pounds. Who does that? I did. But I was desperate for some stuff. What had happened, honestly, very short, short, short. Okay. I was in lust, but we called it love, with somebody. Go to Psalm 118. Thank you, Fred. Or 113. Thank you, Frederick. Whoever you are that's probing into my personal business tonight. You better use this and get delivered. You understand me? Because I'm not just telling these stories to tell them. And I'm, I'm serious about that. I, when you expose your life and you expose your, your failings and you expose your weaknesses to a group of people in the, in the presence of the word of God, the expectation is you will take this and get up from where you are to go to where you're supposed to be. You are not supposed to go, oh, hey, girl, you talking my story and stay in this mess. I didn't stay in the mess or I couldn't tell you the story. And so I'm telling you now, since I'm exposing me, I expect you to do something with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Psalm 113 verse seven says, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is, this, is this the one? This, that's not what I want. Oh, I'm reading 112. Forgive me. Okay. I'll go to chapter 7. I'm 113 now. Chapter, verse 7. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap to make them sit with princes, even with the princes of his people. And even verse 9. He gives the barren woman a dwelling, making her the joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Frederick. That comes from Frederick Johnson in Brooklyn, New York. All right, thank you. I say, Frederick, send me the scripture. Frederick sends us the scripture. I can say, Carlita, I need the scripture, and she sends it. And I can say that about any of you. And that's what I love about this astounding love people. These folks know their Bible. Okay? All right. So having said that, I had gone through a situation where that's exactly what happened. I got thrown away. Um, somebody decided I, was too, uh, I wasn't cool enough for their vibe. And uh, I had trusted this individual was supposed to be supposedly going to be married and all this other kind of stuff and trusted my, yeah, you trust your money. Yeah. You trust you this, but the main thing with trusting is that you're hearing God and you trust that the person is who they say that they are, but he wasn't. And the spirit of the Lord kept trying to tell me that, but I didn't get it. Okay. That's why I said, sometimes I think my angel might have a mark on the forehead like this, like <laughs> How is it possible for this person to be stupid, right? Well, you know, it, I don't know that he does, but <laughs> he says he doesn't. But uh, okay, uh, <laughs> um, 
But nevertheless, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, she's doing it again, that kind of thing. And so I made myself believe a lot. I was desperate to be loved and I was desperate to be validated. And I was using another human being to validate me. You can't do that. So regardless of how poorly I might have been treated by said person, they're totally forgiven because the truth is I gave them the bait to work with. Got it? Don't blame other people. Even when they do when they do you when they do you wrong, just remember you were there. You were there. Okay? These aren't the ones that cost you over the head and take your stuff and run. We talk about the ones that you had interaction with and kept asking your friends, do you see us together? What do you think? La, 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 all this kind of silliness. Anyway, bottom line, thrown on the ash heap. This is how I felt for, I think it was, what was it, four years? About four years of absolute misery. One of the things I did was I went into deep idolatry after this was over. Ah, what, what do you mean? Which, which statue were you worshiping? Uh, the one called lust. Oh, God, my God, how excellent is your name? God, make me skinny so this person will want me. God, this person that has treated me so badly, I'm coming to you who treat me so well to ask you to give me somebody that will still treat me badly, and I'm treating you badly to get you to give it. I should worship you, but I worship them. I should want you more, but I want him. At least I want him to want me. Then maybe I will cost him upside the head and dump him, but I never got the chance, right? Do you see what I'm saying? The pride, the foolishness. And so I dropped a lot of weight. I, in that first two years, I dropped so much weight. Physically, my body probably looked really great, but if you looked at my face, it was miserable. Okay. And, but I dropped a lot of weight and then in, in this desperate ploy to try to get this person. And then one day something happened and I broke on the inside. The broken parts of me broke. And everything in me, it just seemed like I went into a place of despair and depression from which I ate a lot, but I ate unconsciously. And I, in six months, because the first, what was, I think it was about a, about a year, almost a year, the weight was just, it was there. It was, I mean, I looked amazing, as I recall. I looked really, really cute. I am really cute. But I mean, you know, it was just, it was like, oh my gosh, you got the body dreams are, are made of and all this kind of stuff. But... But I got it illegally. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that my strength, my power, my efforts without God, my move towards idolatry, my move towards trying to get God, trying to use spirit power to obtain a satanic thing. Not the man. The man himself is not. I'm not referring to him that way. I am referring to everything that I had built up that I was going after that God was not sending me toward. I was trying to get a life, the life that I wanted from God without God saying to me, this is the life I have for you. And I broke. I just got so weary mentally, emotionally, uh, spiritually, even I was just drained and I, I just stopped. And everything that I tried to do, I was wound up so tight. Now it's starting to unravel. And so every single bit of weight that I dropped, which I didn't have that far to go, honestly, to, to, to do actually. <laughs> I think the funny thing is I'm probably right at this point where you look at me, I'm probably right about where I started before the weight loss began. And so where I will actually end up within the next few months 
is, but end up, end up righteously is where I got to, but I got there illegally without God. And so it started to unravel. And then I ended up looking like this again, but then it kept going because the torment, the misery, the pain, the sin, the stain, the signals that I was sending in the spirit realm that said, this is a, not only a victim, but she is one to victimize continually. Is there, is, are y'all connecting yeah. with what I'm saying at all? Okay. So I kept going. If I had, done, if, if drugs were my, um, you know, um, smoking or illegal substances were my drug of choice, then I would have been strung out. Um, if, if alcohol had been my drug of choice, I would have turned into a very severe, I could have, um, I should have said manifested as a very severe alcoholic. But food was my, my choice. Sugar was my poison. It was the drug of my choice. And so I ate it and I ate it and I ate it and I ate it. And I was working in an environment where we did a lot of the other kinds of foods and stuff. And I worked late night. So I was eating at two and three and four in the morning. And that helped. But every, and then I started getting sick and I go to the doctor. And now in a six month span from January of a certain year, uh, I think it was 20, uh, I don't know. I don't know anymore. But it, this is, I'm talking probably about 10 years ago or a little more than, no, a little more than that, about 15 years ago. Okay. Um, what happened is that it started to continue. And every time I went to the doctor, the scale was showing 10 more pounds, 10 more pounds up, 10 more pounds, 10 more pounds. And I got to a day when it said 344 pounds and their scale only went to 350. <laughs> I was six pounds away from not being able to be weighed at the doctor's office. Are you hearing me? And I looked at those numbers and they meant nothing. I saw 344. It meant nothing. Okay. It meant nothing. Because you want the truth? I couldn't comprehend it. I could not make the connection that the number on the scale corresponded to, the, to, to me physically and that I was actually that far gone. I, I was never meant for this, but this was part of that whole cursing of my agreeing with a curse, agreeing with an assignment against me and allowing that assignment to do its havoc in me because I felt like I had been thrown away. At the heart, at the core of it was the shot, if you will, that, that touched me, that worked with the assignment against me to and worked with the disobedient spirit that I carried and my refusal to hear God the way he was really speaking that all morphed into a mess. Okay. If you have questions, Crystal, you had one. Go ahead. More, um, I know we're talking about us personally, but when you are looking at someone, it's not you, but it's someone close to you 
and you know that um, Jesus died for their healing as well, how do you apply those steps in that situation? You get the Holy Spirit strategy. I don't apply any steps at all. I go to the Holy Spirit and ask him, what can I do? Because we don't have 10 steps to praying for, you know, praying for this one out of this and, and you know, three simple moves to do. We don't, we don't have any formulas. But what we have is the spirit of the living God that knows each and every one of us and gives us. It's like when I pray for this person here, I don't pray the same prayer for him that I pray for you. I don't pray for you the way I pray for you. <laughs> I don't pray for anybody that's looking at us right now the way that I pray. I don't lump everybody into a big pot and say, all right, here we go. We may pull it out for those that are afflicted this way. For those that are in this, I, I, I received some news tonight before we came on about some relatives and some things that I'm hearing about. And I got an idea of what to pray, but I'm not ready to pray because it's my ideas. It's not what he has told me to do. When we do this, you're talking about going for the juggler. You see, we're talking about going for the juggler. When you do that, you're going for this throat. And that means when I get you, I'm, you're going to be lifted up so everything's going to be uprooted. And by the time I'm done with you, your head will be gone. Okay? That's, that's the way. It's like I'm, we're not even going to. Sometimes you go, I'm giving you a warning. If you don't straighten up, I'm coming at you, right? Have you ever heard anybody do that? Yeah. Well, not with the devil. I ain't giving you no warning at all. <laughs> One moment we're sipping our tea. Next minute, there's a there's a beheading. Clean up on aisle one, and the angels will just come on in and clean it up. Because when it's time, he doesn't need that. Satan gets no warning. Okay, so that's what you do. The, the bottom line answer: ask the Holy Spirit, how, what what is my assignment in this? What do you want me to do? So you know, I have a specific prayer assignment, and it's working. Do I see it in the flesh? No. So I stop looking. What he says is keep going, keep going, keep going. You keep doing this thing until it's done. When you see it done, okay, and I tell you, yeah, then you stop. But you, otherwise you keep on. And you know what? That does not mean lock yourself in a prayer closet for 10 hours all the time. Sometimes it means in this 10, five, three, give me 30 seconds and speak this. Then you're going along and he said it comes, came to your mind, hit it. And then you're doing something like hit it. And then all of a sudden there's this moment. It's like everything else stopped. It's time because I'm doing something. We're doing something. We, you know, that song, Waymaker. And so one of the, uh, the things in there, even when I don't see it, you're working. Well, I, that's the word of God. The word of God, the Bible already told you that that's true. Why? Because he said, my word does not come back to me unfulfilled. So it's going to jab, chop, dice, slice melt, whatever it's got to do until this thing is done. It goes faster when you help. <laughs> when you just say what I say, then the word is not slapping at you. Would you shut up and sit down? <laughs> you are just shut up. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Well, I don't see how. Shut up. Well, I just see. I'm so allergic to the word shut up. Okay. There. You're out. Now, as we were saying, because we don't have time for you 
to be trying to pull us back. It's like you praying with somebody and it's a game of tug of war. It's like it's not supposed to be tug of war. The Lord says this, no, but I feel this. The Lord says it, no, they don't feel it. It just doesn't look like it. I know that this is what you said, the Lord said, but he doesn't even call me. I've never even met anybody. The money's still out of the bank. My debts have gotten bigger. Who are you today? Child of God or something else? Identify yourself, please. I'm an ambivalent one. Well, that sounds like a critter to me. <laughs> There's no ambivalence in the kingdom. What is the thing that you wrote down? The thing that's impossible. I didn't forget. This, this, this. Oh, so I was saying this. So 344 pounds. Oh, dear God, I'm never going to get the weight off. Never say that. You get a bill. You owe the, 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 this $127,000 on your $17.56 a month, a hour salary. <gasps> I'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life. Never say that. My hair is not going to ever grow. Oh, dear Jesus, I'm never going to, this is never, we're never going to, oh. <laughs> Honey, you're working against the system. <laughs> My eyes get worse every year. I tell you, every time I go to the doctor, I got to get a new subscription, prescription, whatever kind of scripting it is. Because I'm here to tell you, last year it was 2030, now it's 2045, next year probably be 2060. No, honey, that's not what we're supposed to say. Come on. I know you're out there and you're in here too. <laughs> the scripture, going back to uh, Hebrews 12, this is that attack. This is the sin that so easily besets you. The one that says, it's impossible. It's a good dream for you to dream about being a millionaire at the end of the year, but I'm just going to keep it real. <laughs> at the rate I'm going, I'll be doing good to be out of debt in 27 years, let alone talk about trying to be a millionaire. Okay. You're wrong. Well, you're right about you. But, but why would you want to be, why would you prophesy something so stupid? Can, can we agree tonight that that is stupid, please? And did you notice I didn't say you were being stupid? I said, why would you want, why would you prophesy something so demonic? Well, you know, we got to wear these masks everywhere. And we got to do this and we got to do that. And, and, and it just didn't seem like life is just, and 2020 was terrible. No, it wasn't. It was prophetic. <laughs> well, that might be easy for you to say because you don't, da, 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 da. and I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, it's easy for me to say because I'm not going to give glory to the devil. All right. And I think it's time you stop too. 2020 was not a bad year. 2021 is not your hope. Jesus is your hope. 
If you had Jesus in 2020, it was not a bad year. If you were called yourself having Jesus, but you lived on your own, yeah, I can see how it might have been a bad year. Perspective. You're looking at it from the earth or you're looking at it from heaven? I'm going to wait for that person to come back and then I'll give you that assignment. Any other questions? Do I have any online? Any in here? No? Okay. See, I have my hot beverage and my room temperature beverage. Okay, so let me continue with this part. We are also, we also, you're all in Hebrews 12, 1, right? Okay. We also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. That word weight. You know, one weight means glory. This one means bulk or burden or an impediment. It also means a bending or a bulging by its, by its load. So what he's saying is this hindrance, let's lay aside, and the word is agkos. It has some really great words in, to describe it. Whatever is prominent, a protuberance, a bulk, or a mass. So that's even belly fat. Okay? Let us lay this aside. Well, what do you mean? I mean that you're going to give, you're going to start telling these scenarios in your life what God said. And I'll answer the proverbial, the usual question, what if you don't know what God said? And then I'll do the usual thing. You're going to find out what he said. You know, the Bible has some interesting things. One of the things study Bibles has, or you can do it online, is the concordance. You can say, hey, I need to find out something about being overweight. or I need to find out something about debt or poverty. And the, the scriptures will tell you the things about how that life was. But then you also look at the word victory and what kind of things the, the blood of Jesus is giving you victory over. On Sunday, we talked about how some of the, just a few things that the power of the blood provides is salvation, restoration, redemption. It made a substitute. That's what we were talking about earlier. Always caring about in your body. That's 2 Corinthians 4.10. Always caring about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus, the substitution. For my sin, the substitution for sickness and disease is the dying of the body of the Lord Jesus. And um, he gives us these things. He says that this is what I attest to. This is the testimony that God has given us his son, that he has given us his life, and that life is in his son. And whoever has his life, the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. Because God defines life as Jesus. And that's why the blood of Jesus is Jesus. God defines life as Jesus. He defines the blood as the life of Jesus. He defines the word as the living Jesus. Do you see what I mean? So God defines, when he says life, the life of God has to be what was given to mankind in the Son of God. And so it always has to be, I have life if I have Jesus. And I don't mean Jesus is mine to sing in a song, but I mean that my body will start to bear the evidence, the mark, the truth. And, and so laying aside. Now, here's an interesting thing. Now, I said this, and I said that I was looking at the weight and looking at this and going, oh, my God, it's never, you know, all these things that I wanted to say. And I was very depressed over it. I really was. And went on some kind of little thing because my mom is just the best mom on the planet. 
And so she's like, okay, well, let's try this. And we, we you know, I, I didn't qualify as a cat. <laughs> when I went for the weight loss surgery test, you know what they told me? You have to drop 50 pounds before we can take it. I thought, well, if I can drop 50 pounds, why in the heck would I pay you any money? <laughs> and that's why I never had weight loss surgery, you know? Because, yeah, you got, I was too fat for the surgery. You got to drop 50 pounds. Now, one thing that was really good about that, they taught me about the liver. And they taught me about what soda did to the liver, especially diet soda. And that was when I quit drinking it. I used to think I was being very low calorie, having like, you know, a half a gallon of low-fat vanilla ice cream and a big, what do they call it, liter of sugar-free root beer. <laughs> and it turned out I was enlarging my liver. Well, I didn't want to do that. I didn't even know where the liver was. But I didn't sound, I don't like liver. So having a big liver was not something I was really feeling. I know I have one and I need to keep it. But since I don't even like to eat the stuff, this organ was not about to grow anymore. So that was the end of the diet soda. And I gave up all the root beer and the cream soda, which I really, really liked. I used to buy it all the time. That was the end of it. So you know how you used to come to my house, brother, and go, yeah, she got lots of pop the top. And then they started looking in the closet. There was nothing there anymore because I stopped. So that was what this, the lack of surgery, but yet the information that they gave me. And then my mom found me some program, you know, order your food by mail and they deliver it. Had a side effect because it had soy. If you know what soy side effect is, you understand. If you don't, that's okay. <laughs> so I didn't like that part, but they gave me a little bear that said I lost 50 pounds. You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell because I couldn't walk. I couldn't breathe. There were a whole lot of things that were going on. It's probably the sickest I've ever, most sickness and disease I've ever experienced in my life. And I kept contracting pneumonia. You see, because Satan was trying to kill me. Because there are people that go into the hospitals with pneumonia and they never come out. So he was trying to affect my breathing. Because I was still in disobedience. The thing that so easily beset me was not the weight. The thing that so easily besets you is not the symptoms. Whether it be your weight, being broke, being this, it's not that. The thing that so easily besets you, the, 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 the hindrance, the burden that all of us deal with is the area of sin and disobedience in our lives that we tolerate. I'm not talking about the things others have done against you. I'm talking about bitterness, unforgiveness, complaining, um, uh, lack of discipline when God has told you to do something and you define what God has told you to do a different way. That's witchcraft, rebellion, stubbornness. Those are the things. Those Because what easily besets you is never physical. What does it say? Go back to the other thing. Uh, up. This message is spirit to spirit because even when we're talking about the thing, oh, that's actually fine. It says the, the, mind is car the carnal mind is enmity. So you have to understand you have been trying to solve your problems on a physical level. And that's why you don't see the healing that you're looking for. you got to stop it in the spirit. The assignment against you may manifest physically, but it is a spiritual attack. Are you catching that? The assault against your body might have been a physical thing, but it came from a spirit source. It's working through 
is, is a byproduct of a spiritual attack, a spiritual assignment. Poverty, for instance, will not show up as, oh, well, you will eventually look poor and broke down. But what it'll do is it, it has to, in order for the assignment to work against you, it has to have control of your words. Because the spiritual assignment in and of itself does not have the power against you once you are born from above, except by your words, by you and I saying what God did not say. That disobedience, that rebellion, that heart, stubbornness, that refusal to change and to let God have and let his word have preeminence, have first place in our life. Is this connected yeah. for anybody? So that's why, yes, you can fast and starve and do this and do that. And you may shed a little bit of weight. Remember I said I got it illegally. I got to the right weight, but I got there illegally because everything I was doing was a man-made effort. It was everything was focused on getting to a certain place to try to get something that I wanted long after this person, he wasn't even a part of the scenario anymore because I didn't even want to talk to him anymore. But the desperation was still on the inside of me. This need to be validated by some man somewhere that looked good to me and look, would look good to others to impress others to show what I could get. And everything was on a very low level. And I don't mean that in, in any way against any um, individual. What I'm talking about is my motivation, my spiritual uh, or soulish, really, it wasn't spirit. My soul motivation was at that earth level. And therefore, everything I was going after, everything I was in pursuit of, was at a low level. In fact, because I'm kingdom, because I'm born from above, it was illegal. Why? Because I was using satanic devices to try to get something in the name of God. Can you understand what I'm saying? Satan works in the area of desperation in that way, or uh, what I'm trying to say, things like disobedience, things like jealousy, things like independence of God, things like pride, um, things like self-promotion. None of those things are of God. And so when you use that kind of stuff, starving, God doesn't starve you, okay? Um, uh, not self-denial, if you will, but denial of God's power. I don't need your help, God. I just want you to give me what I want. Well, that's outright idolatry. And so you're going the way of an idol. You're going the way of the beast of darkness to try to obtain something that you want to then bring into the light and say, God gave it to you. It's illegal. Please, can you understand what I'm saying? And ask me questions at this point if you're not understanding what I'm talking about because uh, as it comes out of my mouth, I'm just as surprised as you are. Even though I do understand it, I have never talked about it to this, to this degree. But I'm saying that when you want to change something, and we're talking about going into the direction of kingdom over this next five-year period, that means from 2021 to 2026, in a time when all of these other things are happening in the earth, you 
still have sanctuary in the kingdom. You and I, we still have the word of God. This is our hiding place. This is our power source. But we have to give it the place that it deserves. And that means, yes, I can find time to pray every day. Oh, no, you know, I've got too much going on. No, then you really do have too much going on because you find time to eat or you find time. You find, you know what? If you've got to make that little throne room that you've got in your house with a little roll next to it, if you have to make that your prayer sanctuary for a minute, then do it. Don't rush out of there. Sit if you're sitting. Stand against the wall. Do what you got to do. Stay put if that's what you need to do and spend a few moments talking to him. Because you know, out of everything else, you may not have time to eat and your day might have gotten so busy that you couldn't, but I guarantee you there's one thing you always have time to do. <laughs> you're not going to go 24 hours without it. So when you're in that little room or big room if you have, if you have a bigger space, or a little stall, or whatever it happens to be, then that may be your moment to talk to God or to listen for him to speak to you. Because it's less about what you talk to him about and more about what he gives you to say. You're listening for something to say, like that great question Crystal asked us. We're wanting to know what he wants us to say so that we can say it. Jesus in his time, I'm sure, with the Father, he spent time listening for what to say and what to do. Show me this. And I don't know that he necessarily saw everything at that moment, but his time spent and his discipline of listening for the voice of God by the Holy Spirit got him into an area, the things he learned to do. I, there's no point in me saying anything except what the Father has given me to say because that's what's going to work. Now, I go back to this. I said, how many of you are convinced this works? You see, it's not just that you believe it, but that you believe that it works. And you know this word works because you are a witness. You can't be a witness for Jesus if you haven't seen him do anything. That thing you wrote down is a spirit thing. And you're going to find out how to deal with it. Yes, you have a question. Did you have a question? Go ahead. You said that. Um, you need to turn up when your you volume. said that you know that this this works. The, the word of God works. Uh, you know, the thought in my head was, well, I have seen examples of what um, supernatural things that uh, God has done. But on a consistent basis, I'm learning that it works. Mm -hmm. More so than actually knowing. I found out that's where I was. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of building consistency in getting to know. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. But you know what? That's going to be the rest of your life. So you can't stay there. Okay. That's, that's, that's true for everybody. Okay, go to Luke. 
Let's go to Luke chapter 17. And let's look at verse, uh, let me see. Let's go to verse 20. It says that when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, because here he is teaching the kingdom. And this is a question that we can, can say that people will ask, when you talk about the kingdom, of, but what are you talking about? Or something along those lines, all right? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. So what you're looking for, he was telling them, you, that word is that careful watching, that, that uh, physical eye. That's not how the kingdom comes. Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. He said, neither shall they say, hey, here or there, for behold. He said, then now you're not going to be able to point to it, this castle, this, this mountain, this, this, this is the kingdom. This, the, these physical things is the kingdom of God. He said, no, that's not the way it comes. The kingdom of God is within you. Why is that important? Because we've been talking about the words that come are to come out of you. And these things that come against you that so easily beset you are things that are outside of the kingdom. Pride is outside of the kingdom. Unforgiveness, bitterness. Now see, I can go back to alcoholism and addictions. You know that addictions, whether it be food or drink or drugs or whatever it is, you know, or gambling or uh, uh, robbing people, I just got to, I just got to, I just got to steal. I don't know what it is. I just got to steal. You know, I just, I, I, I have to lie. I can't tell you the truth. I just got to lie. Whatever that is, it is a spirit. It's a spiritual thing, but it's outside of the kingdom. Well, it's just in me to lie. The natural proclivity is in me to lie. You're talking about the law of, of sin and death. That law is subject to the laws of the kingdom. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, uh, verse 2, where it says that the law that we have been redeemed or rescued, we're no longer subject to the law of sin and death because the law of sin and death is outside of the kingdom. That the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that is in the kingdom. That's the kingdom. That law is in, in you. That law is at work in you. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus can make you free from the things that are lurking on the outside, the law of sin and death. That thing can be cast out because it's not in the kingdom. I'm in the kingdom now. So these little cling-ons, hang-ons, whatever you want to call them, they got to go. So are you saying that the way I was thinking about it is incorrect then? No, I'm saying you got to think higher than you're thinking. Because you see, you're, you're forgetting something. And that is the fact that the Bible says that as he is, so are you in this world. And then he said, the father in me does the works. It's not you that does them. You just uh, gave a location of where you are. But that's not where he is. I got it. So I to you got to get to where he is. Because <laughs> you can't. Can you hear the Holy Spirit? Can I chat with you a moment? You know, I've been living in your body for a while. 
and I've been helping you. Sometimes I just feel like I'm so disconnected. I don't know that I'm really doing a good job. I feel like maybe, maybe I should just take a break. Maybe I should just check in, find out, you know, where I'm out of tune. I must be out of tune with Father. I must be out of tune with Jesus because I, this is just, this thing with you and me, it's not working. He's not going to say that. Now we'll say it. I need to take a break from church. The whole C-19 thing and, you know, and the things that were going on in my finances and stuff. And I just, and then I couldn't get along well with those people. They offend me all the time. So I think that God is just telling me I need to take a break. No, he's really not. <laughs> Rebellion tells you to do that. God does not. Well, no, it just seems like the Lord kept. No, he did not. I know this. This is the same way I was telling you. Oh, yeah, God led me to keep going after this man. No, he did it. I mean, you could just hear him say, I, I never said that. And don't you lie on me. So y'all quit lying on God because God is not keeping you away from church. You're doing that. God is not, you see, why? Well, how, how, could, how could God keep you away from church except that God usurped your will? Because the better question would be, well, if God said you could go, would you go? Well, well, yeah, well, 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 okay? Not well at all. All right, I've got about nine minutes. I don't know that I hit my point, but. You write this stuff down. And, okay, I want you to look at these things that you wrote down. And, and don't do not do the toilet paper list. I love that. You know, this big roll of things. Because it's really not. It, you think it is because of how it, come on. Because You think it is because of how it flourishes. It blooms, if you will, in different places. But it's, it's, it, the source is pretty much one. If it's rebellion, then it's this rebellious flower that has all kinds of little petals on it. Yes, ma'am. Make it good. Come on, talk loud. Yes, ma'am. In all my brilliance, I identify with my followers. However, because I know there's an entity in the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do have to talk up louder. I want to know from him what my problem is. I want to know, you know, how do we identify so That's how you hear it. Pray in his language, he'll give you your answer. Is that a I don't know. Pray in his language. Speak his language and he'll give you his answer. Pray his answer or pray his language. Speak his language and he'll give you the answer. Thank you. Because it's going to be spirit to spirit. And then you know what? After you hear you say, can you show me in the word? He will. Because it's spirit to spirit. Just start with that. He, he's, he's a great dancer and he never follows. He always leads. Okay. I uh one reason why I asked that is because I had a, I've been asking God like, could you show me me or how you see me? And I I had a couple of jacked up dreams like last night or this morning, and um, 
I know God doesn't, I don't think he sees me that way, but he allowed me to see that for a reason. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe. So you ask him, or is that the way I see me? Yes, you really want to know if you want, unless you want to stay the same for the next five years. I don't know too many people that go. I want to stay the same. I want to stay the same. I want to stay the same. Oh no, no! Well, you're not here, so I can't say you're lying in church, but you're still lying. Okay. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up with that. That's great, Lily. Thank you. And that's what I'm saying. So here, the kingdom is within. But this other stuff is outside of it. Can you see that? The kingdom resides in you if you are born from above. The kingdom is within. It comes not by what your natural eye sees, but it comes by way of the spirit. And the spirit will cause things to be seen in the natural realm. But if you're looking for the kingdom to manifest with natural eyes, I'm looking. I prayed for you. I'm looking for the kingdom. That's not the way it is. You see it from within, and then it comes out. Oh, there's so much more I could talk about with this, but I have to stop. Um, I can say we're going to have it next week, but I, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. I, 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 this wasn't what I thought we were going to talk about tonight. So, you know. It helped me too. The kingdom perspective. Now, let me just leave you with this. The perspective of the kingdom is health, healing, and wholeness. That's third John 2. That's what the kingdom sees, Okay. To answer, to give you a short answer, God sees you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Now, you manifesting that, that's a different thing. But that's how he sees you. In other words, how he sees you, what pleases him, that's the standard that he set for you. But he also gave, made himself available to help you get there because you're not going to do it on your own. You'll get there illegally. There's a lot of people with a lot of money that they got illegally. Okay, they got your money illegally. That's why the wealth of the wicked is restored up for the just. And when you act right, you know, meaning simply just listen to him and let and live to please him. I, you know, because it's we get all caught up. Oh, I just want to know. I want to know about me. And I want to say, well, why, why would, uh, you know, if I were in a relationship with somebody like that, and all he kept saying to me is, I just want, I just want to know all about me, baby. I just want to know all about me. You know, I'm with you, girl, and I just want to know all about me. <laughs> uh, that song wasn't going to make it, okay? Because this, this is supposed to be two of us. That's that old song. I found love on a two-way street and lost it on a lonely highway. Yeah, because I left you on the road. <laughs> it kept going. Lost love. No, you didn't even have it, okay? All right. So, that was um, just my imagination. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that was excellent. Excellent. Well said. I liked it. She said it was just my imagination. So it wasn't love at all. Okay. Thank you all so much. Um, we're going to receive. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings, and uh, I know it comes up on the board to tell you if you do have questions. Uh, you know what? We're praying for you. Believe me. Actually, we prayed for you at the top of the hour. The Bible says these things, and I'm going to leave you with this. As she has that. You exercise faith to receive the power that comes from washing in the blood. 
And that releases the power of third John too. I'll teach on this later. When you exercise faith to release the kingdom within you, you release the atmosphere of healing, health, and wholeness to work on the inside of you. In other words, I keep saying the kingdom of God is within, and I release the kingdom to, to take my heart, to take my body as its occupation, to occupy. Because any king, any kingdom, you go to occupy, to take over, okay? And so I am the ground that the kingdom wants to occupy so that I completely become a citizen of the kingdom in all the ways of the kingdom, in all the doings and the things that I say. I become an actual recognizable citizen of the kingdom. I take on that, that um, culture. I take on those beliefs. I take on those speakings. That same slide y'all used to see all the time. A mindset is. This is what we're saying. I take on the mindset of the kingdom, which means I think like the king from within. And so everything that is doesn't think like him, everything that doesn't act like him, everything that doesn't look like him, it's outside. It has to go. It's outside of this kingdom that I'm a part of now. So then I'm going to exercise faith to release what is produced within me. It's going to come out, flow out of me and change the atmosphere. And so when we do that, we release uh, prosperity, wealth, wholeness, miracle working power, and all these other things. You attract your relationship because you because you are kingdom, you're going to attract that assignment and everything that's connected to the assignment, including the relationships themselves. All of that has to be a part of it. So change. This, is, this was a message on repentance, actually. And uh, so we we're praying for those of you that are sowing your seed. We want to thank you so much for the tithes, the offerings, the advancements. Um, we thank you for your obedience to God what, to give into this ministry, to release from your hands into his kingdom what it is that he wants you to release so that the return that he has for you, we can't give it to you. We can't even really pray the prayer that causes it to happen. But what we can do is come into agreement with the spirit of God that he gets to do for you what he wants to. For every dollar, for every dime, for every nickel, for whatever it happens to be. We pray, and what we release is that the pleasure of God is seen in your life, that you've opened up opportunities through your listening tonight, through your studying, through your willingness to be changed, through your giving, yes, but also through your receiving this word, that you've opened up opportunities for the pleasure of God to be seen in your life, that God gets an opportunity to be more to you than he's been before. We want you healed. In every way of your life, we want you to be whole. We want 3 John 2 to come to pass in your life. Because when it does, as it does, you're going to help to change the lives of many others. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and somebody uh, connected you to this, and I pray that they can also introduce you to the Lord Jesus so that you can come into the kingdom. Otherwise, contact us at astoundinglove.org and get us your information. And we will lead you, introduce you to him. So that you do not perish but have everlasting life. That's the other part of John 3.16. But I'm speaking to those that claim to be born from above. And I'm speaking to those that claim to belong to God. And I'm saying, I challenge you again, that you determine that, you know what? I am setting the course for the next five years in, a, in line with the will of God. And so the ugly in me has got to go. If it's not of him, it has to go. If it's not 
of him. It has to go. If I'm acting in a way that he doesn't act, I've got to change. If I'm talking things he doesn't say, I've got to stop and I have to start speaking what he says. I refuse to stay in disobedience and rebellion. I refuse to remain a failure. Our apostle spoke this last night. She said, why do I say these things are working for me? Because I choose for them to be so. And I make that same choice and I trust in the spirit of the Lord that you are choosing the same. So thank you so much for being a part of this tonight. We're at the end of our time. So even if I have a question, we're at the end of our time. Okay. So is it somebody I know? Okay. Go ahead. We're one minute over. I'm just wanting to point that out. The question is, do you hear God in your mind or is it your conscience? Are you born from above is what I'd have to ask you, first of all. But I hear God in my spirit. He is spirit. And he talks to me in spirit. Okay? Spirit to spirit. That's how God does. We hear, we filter things through our mind. And so that might be what you're talking about. But the main two ways, two of the ways God really speaks to me. He speaks by spirit. But he primarily speaks through his word. And then he also speaks to you through his servants. When we're teaching this word, we're under, um, I am under the obligation by the Holy Spirit to only say what he gives me to say. And so what I'll say to you is this. If God is talking to you, then you ask him, Lord, is it you? Speak to me with your word. Even if you don't know your way around the Bible, he will cause when he's talking to you, because he does not want you to miss it. He will cause another spirit, another human or somebody that is speaking for him to release the words that you need to hear. And if you need have more with that, do what I ask you. Contact us at astoundinglove.org. And we can talk to you or call us 408-945-4439 and leave the message. And um, Crystal will get back to you within 24 hours. And we'll help you to understand. But I can't truly answer that question if I don't know if you're born again or not. If you're not, then he's speaking to you through our spirit to tell you that's the first lesson, to meet him, and then he will show you how to meet with him. All right? And I pray that answers it. If not, text us back and let us know, and we'll, we can follow the conversation with you offline. But I'm finished. We're done for tonight. Thank you so much. Get ready to turn the camera off. Don't leave me standing up here looking like this. Okay. <laughs> we thank you so much for joining us tonight. Carissa, get moving. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us tonight. We thank, not yet, we thank you so much. We bless you. We speak the word of God to you. We pray to see you on Sunday, 9.45 a.m. and 11.45 for Biblical Solutions for Life. And thank you so much for joining us for tonight's Kingdom Conversation. Good night. Say good night. Good night. Good night.